For those who, who weren't here last week, Happy New Year. Um, we're only eight days into the year, and I don't know about everybody else, but New Year's tend to bring with it um, new beginnings, new ideas, potentially new priorities in, that, in, in what we're going to prioritise during the year. And it's typically for Christians... I guess many of us already start to think, okay, so how can this year be a little different to last year? How can I Im grow in my spiritual um, growth as, as uh, more than I did last year? What things hindered me? Uh, how can I get around that and what can I do? So last week we began a series called Starting Point and that's what Starting Point was really all about. And I asked the question last week, uh, whether uh, to what happens when we try and define what God has already in his word defined? What happens when we try and define it again or redefine it, what God has already defined? And the answer is that we end up living our lives challenging our creator. We make ourselves out to be God in some respects if we try and correct or modify what God has already done. We find ourselves denying God as creator and begin to assume that responsibility for ourselves. That's where Adam and Eve went wrong. Uh, right back in Genesis 3 where Satan tricked them into thinking that God was holding out on them. And they, Satan had convinced Adam and Eve that he was holding back essential information from them. And so God's word wasn't entirely true. And Eve doubted the word of God and took the fruit. And the story is in Genesis uh, 3. And most of us understand and know that story. But that's the issue that we have in our society today where we find ourselves in a world that thinks it can redefine marriage, it can redefine sexuality, it can redefine gender identity, it can redefine race, it can redefine truth. And many of us as Christians are not happy with that, but some, some including churches, have just embraced it. And that's really disappointing and sad because we, by thinking we can redefine those things that God's word has already defined. And by the word, uh, by the way, John tells us that the word is Jesus Christ. So when we talk about the word of God, we're talking about Jesus himself. So when we think we can redefine what we have as the word of God, then we are in trouble. And the question is, can we really do that as a Christian? Well, I, uh, that's part of the problem, I think, for us, because I would restate what I've just said in saying the reality is that the answer is no for those wishing to be a Christ follower. And I, I use the term Christ follower rather than the word Christian because I believe that our society has even redefined the word Christian. It has taken away the truth of what it means to be a Christian 
and diluted it or redefined it to being something rather defined as a religion rather than a relationship. And when we redefine, again, anything that God has already put in place and they were first called Christians in the New Testament, defining what they did and how they were and who they worshipped, when we redefine the word Christian as a means of religion rather than relationship, when that happens... The definition is based on what we do rather than who, who we are. And that's important differentiation there because you can be a Christian, they say, from a world perspective, we can be a Christian because we go to a Christian church. We can be a Christian because we read a Christian Bible or we attend a Christian prayer meeting or we go to a Christian Bible study. And while those things ought to be things we do as a Christian, they do not define what a Christian is. They don't define anything of sorts because anyone can do those things and not be a Christian because a Christian isn't about what we do, it's who we are. So I've shifted my thinking in some ways from, from using the word Christian. I will use it from time to time, but the essence is we are, we are to be Christ followers. And while those things are important to do, going to Bible studies, attending church and all those things, they're not the determining factor as to what a Christian is. The truth is, and, and Neil Anderson quotes this in one of his books, he says it's not what we do as a Christian that determines who we, what we are, who we are. It's who we are that determines what we do. So, because we are a Christ follower, we may very well come along to church. We will do things in obedience to what we have been called to do as a Christ follower, because that's who we are. As a Christ follower, we, we won't come to church on a Sunday because we have to. Rather, it will be what we actually prioritise because we know that when we come and gather together, we are being living in obedience and gathering in fellowship with one another. It will, something, it will be something we look forward to on a Sunday morning. We won't, as a Christ follower, we, we won't have to go to a Bible study group but we will prioritise that because we know that it will help us learn about how we could live and how we should be living and encouraging one another as we gather. It will be something we look forward to doing. As a Christ follower, we don't have to serve at church, but it will be something that we will prioritise to do because we see that as an opportunity of serving our master. The whole shift changes. We can do all of those things for wrong reasons and the scriptures are quite clear that when the motive of our heart is wrong, then everything else is going to not be right either. And the problem is that it is the answer to how we should now live in a world that is redefining what God has already defined isn't about how we live. It's more about who we live for. And that's a really important different definition. The answer lies in a change of motive. 
a change of heart, a change of desire. It's what Romans 12, 2 actually reminds us of when it tells us that we need to be renewing or being transformed by the renewing of our mind. And we are reminded in 1 Peter that we are to live as aliens in this world, which is a strange kind of context because we don't have little things coming out of our head and green skin and all those sorts of things, but we are in a very real sense aliens because Peter says, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from the worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. We are born into a new family. Our home is not this planet anymore. We are very real sense aliens in a foreign world. But at the same time, we have to live here. We are required to live in this world, but we are not to become like it. We are not to be part of it in that sense. Jesus prayed for you and I. In John chapter 17, for his followers in the Garden of Gethsemane, and just before his crucifixion, listen to what he says. He says, I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they're not of the world. Just as I am not of the world, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. So the answer is not escaping the world. Excuse me. It's not about running away or hiding in, in a monastery somewhere. It's not about not having any part to play in our world and not joining in with things. But it comes down to how we live or who we live for in the world that we're living We can either ignore all the things, the the governments and laws that are being changed and redefinitions are happening. We can either ignore all those things and just determine to go on living our way indifferent to what everything is happening. Or we can make a decision to live and do what the scriptures tell us to do. It's our choice. But Peter again warns us, he says, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbours. Even then, because if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honourable behaviour and they will give honour to God when he judges the world. So how should we live in a world that is seems intent and set on pushing Christ out of everything and redefining God's word to suit its own self, and the world in general seems to to accommodate that. It seems to embrace it. Well, the first thing we need to do, there are four Ds, and and, uh, the first one is denounce your sin. Denounce sin in your life. It means to repent. It means to seek God's forgiveness and turn away from that. Denounce means to agree with God that sin is wrong and not to come into the same or or continue in that process. So denounce sin in your life. And he tells us, Paul tells us, that since we have the promise of forgiveness in 2 Corinthians, he says we should cleanse ourselves 
from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Because we have the promise that God will has forgiven us as a Christ follower, we should cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. We are to cleanse ourselves, denounce sin in our life. Most of us are aware of the sins of the flesh. Most of us understand what they're about. They're the things that we often talk about. They're the things that all churches seem to talk about. Paul explains the sins in the flesh for us in Galatians 5. He says the the works of the flesh or the sins of the flesh are evident, which are, and he lists the whole stack of them, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, which I tell you beforehand, just as I've told you in time past, that those who practice such things, those who continue to live according to the flesh, will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's what he says. So we, we kind of know the sins of the, of the flesh, but what about the sins of the spirit? Well, quite put uh, put simply quite simply is that while the flesh represents all that is natural and and earthly and human the spiritual things the sins of the spirit are more about the subtle things pride selfishness gossip those things that are not so evident on the outside those things that we can hide behind and we can, our motives can be, can be directed by those things. When pride is, is taking control, we'll do things because, you know, I deserve what I'm doing or I want the attention or those kinds of thinkings are not the right motives. They're the sins of the, of the spirit. Sometimes we'll sin in ignorance. We won't even know that it's happening or we won't know that we've done what is wrong in, in the eyes of God. But the scriptures are quite clear and tells us that ignorance isn't even an excuse. When, when speaking to the people in front of the temple, uh, Peter and John had healed a lame man. Some of you will know the story, but... Peter then challenged because they saw, whoa, what's going on here? This man's lame and now he's able to walk. And Peter starts addressing them. He's, he's laying it on the line. Listen to what part of what he says. He, doesn't, he says much more than this. But he says, he's talking to the crowd now. And he says, but you, you, all of you, you denied the Holy One and the just and you asked for a murderer to be granted to you and you and he kill, and you killed the prince of peace, of life whom god raised from the dead of which we are witnesses and his in his name through faith in his name he has made this man strong whom you see and know that's the lame man yes it's the faith that comes through him that has forgiven him his perfect soundness in the presence of you all. 
Yet now, brethren, I know that you did what you did in ignorance. I know that you put the the king of kings to death in ignorance, is what he's saying, as did also your rulers. They didn't know what they were doing. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all of his prophets, that Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled In other words, what Peter was saying right there, he says, you have the evidence before you. Even though you might have done it in ignorance, you knew the prophets. So he says, what are we going to do about that? He says, so repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. That's the answer. When Paul tells us that we are to denounce sin or we are to cleanse ourselves from the sins of the flesh and the sins of the spirit, we are, to, we are just as responsible for the physical things that we do as much as we are for the things that may be quite less obvious in us. So we need to be honest before God because he sees that. And when Jesus was standing before Pilate at his trial, he said to Pilate, he said, you would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you is is of the greatest sin, has the greatest sin. The one, who, who would he be talking about? Who was Jesus talking about? Who handed Jesus over to Pilate. Um, A couple of options. Caiaphas, who was the high priest, and Judas, who walked with him. Both of them did it. Judas was the one Jesus handpicked to be one of the 12 disciples of Jesus through his, his earthly ministry. And Caiaphas was the high priest and he should have known better. He had the the word of God. He would have known exactly what the Messiah was to do and how he was to come. The point is, though, that when you have been schooled in the scriptures like Caiaphas or you have been exposed to the truth of Christ like Judas, we are without excuse. And all of us are in that position today. We have been exposed to the truth. Some have done a lot of study. And we're without excuse. Knowledge brings responsibility. And when, so when we have knowledge and we do what the things or do the things that we know we should not do or we do the things that are not godly, whether it was physical or it's not physical, We sin. Whether it's done in the flesh or done in the spirit, we we sin when we know we're doing something we shouldn't be doing and we continue to do it. So what do we do about that? Well, just what Peter told the people listening to him on that day. We need to repent. As a church, as an individual, as a nation, we need to repent and be converted. We need to be converted, being converted was about trusting Jesus. We need to trust him. We need to listen to him. We need to do what God wants us to do because it's at that point we sin if we don't. So today, if, if you want to continue to receive the blessings 
of God that he has for you, then we need to stop indulging in the things of the flesh and of the spirit that are wrong and begin to repent and ask for God's forgiveness. It's quite simple, but it's hard if we are not willing to deal with the sins of the spirit because pride and those things start to take control. So the first thing we need to do is that we need to denounce sin in our lives. Secondly, we need to have a desire to be holy. We spoke about this a couple of months ago in our um, Pursuit of Holiness series. But essentially, we cannot live holy lives simply by doing the right things. Holiness isn't about being perfect. It's not about doing everything right. Doing the right things does not make us more holy or does not make us holy any more than having a hammer makes you a carpenter. A carpenter will have a hammer, but it doesn't make him a carpenter just because he has one. And just because we are following or doing what we want to do, if we want to live holy lives, we will live holy lives. We will have holiness. It comes out of a desire to be who or the, be the right person. It's who we are in Christ that gives us the holiness, not by the things that we're doing. So as a Christ follower, we will live holy lives if we want to be obedient to him because that's what he's asked us to do. It won't be a decision we have to make. It won't be an out-of-the-box choice that, wow, I didn't know I had to do that because we've been asked to be holy. We'll want to do what is pleasing to our heavenly father because he's the one we serve. He's the one we honour. It will be our desire to be obedient to do everything he wants. And I've quoted A.W. Tozer back in the last that series of Pursuit of Holiness, but essentially A.W. Tozer says this. He says, it may be sad without qualification, oh, sorry, maybe sad, maybe said without qualification that every man is as holy as he wants to be. Holy and full of the Spirit as he wants to be. He may not be as full as he wishes he were, but he is most certainly as full as he wants to be. And that's absolutely true. Because if it, we will do, and that's the same for many things, by the way, we will do what we want to do. If pursuit of holiness is our priority, then we will grow in our holiness. We won't be content to stay where we are, but we are as holy as we want to be. And the desire to be holy, though, is not something we can do on our own. Paul reminds us that God has chosen us before the foundation of this world that we should be holy and without blame and in his love. We are to do this thing. This was something that we've been preordained to do. That was always God's intention, <clears throat> that we should be holy and blameless. And since God is, is the only one who is purely holy, the source of holiness can only come through him. It can only be found in him. Holiness isn't about never making a mistake, it's but about being without blame. 
and we can do things and make a mistake in the process, but holiness will dictate that we confess. And when we confess that our heavenly Father, Jesus came that we, we would seek forgiveness and his, the blood that was shed on the cross was sufficient, was enough, was everything that we needed, more than enough to be able to not just forgive us but restore us. We are to be Christ-like. We, our lives ought to be lived in a manner that is worthy of the calling that we have received to be Christians or, or Christ followers. When Philip, one of the disciples, asked Jesus to show him the Father, Jesus answers with this statement. He says, Philip, have I been with you so long and yet you've not known me? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? What Jesus was just saying to Philip and the other disciples who were listening, by the way, is that Jesus himself, he was saying, I am the perfect image of the Father. It was like looking into a mirror. If you want to see what the Father is like, look at me. I'm him. I'm the perfect image. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. If you know Jesus, you know the Father. If you desire to live a holy life, you will live your life imitating his life because he is holy. That's what being a Christ follower is all about, to live our lives in a manner worthy of the calling that we have received is a desire to be completely holy, the right motives, the right attitude, the right desire, not without guilt of sin because we're all guilty. We've all done stuff that we should be ashamed of. If we're not, we should be. But Jesus Christ took the blame for us and he paid the price so that we no longer are going to be held and given account to the blame anymore. The blame has been paid for. Full forgiveness and payment for the sin, he took the blame. Jesus took the blame and he paid the price. And when we live our life worthy of the calling, we live it without any blame anymore. And the desire to be holy is a desire to be obedient. So the answer to how we can live in a world that is intent on shifting and redefining God's word is, is begins with denouncing the sin in our own life and having a desire to live a life that is holy and imitating that of Christ. And thirdly, we need to dedicate ourselves fully to God because once the decision has been made to live righteously, it's a choice that we will, which should cause us to want to live. When we decide that we want to live life the way that Christ wants us to be, it's going to mean that every single moment of every single day, you are going to be confronted with a choice. Is this Christ-like or is it not? Because Satan is at work in our life when we make that decision. He's worked before then too, but he steps up his game, I think, for those who profess Jesus Christ as Lord. And now the choices are now not between right and wrong because we know what's right and wrong, but between what's good and what's best, which is what he did for Eve. Half-truths. 
There are some things that are good and they're okay to do. We should be doing those things. But what is best? Because that's what we should be choosing. It's, it's our job to live and preach and teach the law of God wherever we go. It's a choice that will cause us to want to live a life that is holy and acceptable to him. Paul tells us in Romans 12, he says, this is your reasonable service. It's, it's, and this is what it is, to, to not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is good, what is acceptable, and what is the perfect will of God. Our minds need to be shifted from desiring to do what we want to start doing what he wants. And living our life for Jesus and being able to stand up against the world's redefinition of God's law. It's our decision or it's our job to preach and teach the word of God as Christ followers. It's a decision to not let the world conform us and mould us into its conformity and into its mould. It's, it's about not compromising any longer to the but, and just and adhering to the word of God. It's, it's, with, it's about allowing the word of God to expose things that are going on in my life and in your life and allowing it to tell me how I should live rather than me telling it it's wrong or trying to redefine it and saying, you know what, I don't like that very much, that definition, and so maybe that's not applying to me. That's old school stuff. That's so antiquated. But i tell you what, God has given us everything he is going to hold us accountable to. And there's going to be a day when we come face to face with him and we're going to be held accountable to this, the word of God, not the word of man, not the law of the land. It's about having the word of God expose our innermost thoughts and be willing to confess them and repent them when we are confronted by them because the writer of Hebrews tells us, for the word of God is living and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and, in, and the intents of the heart. And if we are really serious about standing up for the word of God in this nation today, we need to dedicate ourselves to the mission of godly living, godly behaviour, godly thinking, godly speaking. Those things should be a no-brainer. And whatever we dedicate ourselves to means that we will fully commit to no going back, no deviating from the mission. We are either fully committed or not. And when we are saying we're going to be committed to the Lord Jesus Christ, that means we need to do what he asks us to do. Commit your way. <coughs> Excuse me. Commit your, commit your works to the Lord, Proverbs 16 says, and your thoughts will be established. When we start to commit our ways to him, he will give us the thoughts that have. He will provide for us the answers to take. In other words, when we dedicate 
our ways to the Lord, if we commit to the Lord whatever we do, he is faithful and he will establish or cause our plans to succeed because our plans will be aligned with his plans. When we're fully committed, when we're fully dedicated to him, our thoughts, our plans will be his thoughts and his plans. And when our thoughts are aligned with his, he will be eager to do his will in us or our will because that will be the same thing. And he knows the time is short. And Romans 13 says, and doing this, knowing that the time, knowing the time, knowing that it's short, it's high time to wake up out of our sleep. For now, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, cast off all the works of the darkness and let us put on the full armour of the light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in the revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ And listen to this, make no provision for the flesh to fulfil its lusts. Make no provision to follow the way of the world. That's what it means to dedicate ourselves to God. Make no provision in our life to follow the things of this world. Fourthly, depend daily on the Holy Spirit. It's all well and good to say that we need to live a holy life and get rid of the sin in our life, but the reality is there is no way we can do that on our own. We just can't. As good as you try, as much as I try to be good people, problems seem to find me, and I'm pretty sure you're the same. There's nothing that we can do to live righteously in our own strength. My my mind goes back to my eldest son, not Jonathan. Just to clarify, but he, he seemed to find trouble without even looking for it when he was young. Like who starts to graffitiize the school billboard and write your own name on that? <laughs> and, it was, and, he, and his answer was, oh, the others made me do it. The others were doing stuff, yeah, but they didn't write their own name. And I think we've got to recognise some of those things in our own life, but we can't depend on our own strength because our thoughts aren't right. We don't think logically. The only way we're going to achieve the lifestyle is to get to know and understand the Holy Spirit. If we don't know what he sounds like to, to us, then how in the world are we ever going to know when he tells us to do something? We have the responsibility to get to know and understand the Holy Spirit and his voice. That means to be guided by the Holy Spirit and not by the flesh. It's not what I want, but your will be done, O Lord. The flesh wants to meet the needs of the body. And the problem is that the body is temporary. We're all going to die at some point. From This body is not going to live forever. The soul, on the other hand, does not die when the body dies. 
It will live forever. And the Holy Spirit is keen and interested and focused on doing the things that are right for the soul because it's not going to perish. It's either going to live with Christ when, we, when the body dies or it's going to live apart from Christ. And the Holy Spirit wants us to live with Christ. So the Holy Spirit's job in my life and in your life is to guide us to the truth. And when we fail to listen to the Holy Spirit's prompting, we're saying, you know what, I know better. I can redefine what God wants me to do because it doesn't suit me today. I'm just a weak-willed person that no one really cares about, so move on. Our soul is the part of us that feels the emotions and all of those sorts of things. The problem is that even our soul, left to its own devices, will want to fulfil the body. It will want to be comfortable. Our our soul can be very self-centred. So the Holy Spirit, when he comes in and he takes control, is his role is to point our, our soul, our spirit, to the things of the Holy Spirit, to the things of God. And we need to choose, choose this day whom you will serve, Joshua told his people. But we need to choose who we serve. Do we serve the body? And meet all the needs of that and be satisfied and just enjoy the, the things of this world? Or do we want to listen and, and understand and want to know what the Holy Spirit wants us to do? We need to learn to depend on the guidance of the Holy Spirit if we are calling ourselves a Christ follower. And the, the Holy Spirit isn't just some force that's out there or even in us that we feel. He he has individuality. He has personality. He has will. He has intelligence. He has hearing. He has knowledge. He has sympathy. He has the ability to love, to see, to think. He can hear. He can speak. He can grieve. He can desire. He can rejoice. He has much more than just this unknown spirit. He is a person and if we are serious about being able to stand up to this depraved world that we live in, then we are going to have to, Galatians 5 tells us, walk in the spirit. And you shall not fulfil the lusts of the flesh when we do that. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. If we profess to have the Holy Spirit in us, then we need to walk in the spirit, not depending on our own righteousness, trying to do all the right things, behaving well, not saying the wrong things, but rather allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us toward all truth. And there's no question that our nation and indeed perhaps much of our world, Western world particularly, are becoming more and more ungodly. There's no question about that. It's becoming much more difficult to live righteously on this planet without being persecuted in some way. But here is some good news. 
or maybe it's not so good news, it's good, it's just news you might not want to hear. It's going to get worse. It's going to get much worse. So if you think it's bad now, hang on. And the only way we're going to be able to hang on is to be listening and understanding and knowing the Holy Spirit's guidance. It will become so bad into the future that even Jesus said that unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But he goes on and he says, but for the elect's those who have been called according to his purposes, those days will be shortened. So it's going to get bad. But it's the ones who endure to the end who will be saved. And the elect that Jesus speaks of, those who remain faithful to his word, despite what the majority of the world wants us to do or seems to advocate, the answer is for us as Christ followers to, to be the not any longer be conformed to the patterns of this world, not to be conformed to its logic, its definitions, not become complacent because complacency is an enemy of God and it's an enemy of spiritual growth when we feel that we've, hey, you know what, I'm just going to sit back. This is all too hard. We stop growing but rather let us become one with God. Let us be unified in the spirit. Let us rejoice in hope. Let us celebrate the unity of the spirit upon us as a church, upon those who believe in our community, those who believe in our world. Let us recognise the Holy Spirit through the Son and live our life faithfully serving him with all joy until he comes because joy is a choice. You might not be happy about the situation. I'm not happy about the situation, but we have the hope and we have the joy in knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. That's good news. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ today, then I would encourage you to ask some questions, good questions of people that should know. But essentially go through what we've talked about Denounce sin, confess your sin. If you know you've done wrong, repent and be baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. For those who have given that, made that decision, make sure that we are depending daily on the Holy Spirit's guidance. Coming up tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, I'm calling our church to prayer. Serious prayer, not just General prayer. I want us to come in here. I want us to come for an hour, six o'clock at night till seven o'clock. Fasting, if you think, and I think we should, we should be fasting, but I'm calling us to pray tomorrow, Tuesday and Wednesday because we live in a world that we are not going to survive without the knowledge and understanding of what God's demanding us of us. So we have a board meeting tomorrow night at seven o'clock. Normally we have a meal at six I've asked the board, I've, well, I've actually told the board, we're not eating. We're going to be praying with the church 
people who are serious about this in our life. And I'm calling us tomorrow, Tuesday and Wednesday, between six o'clock and seven o'clock on each of those three days to let's pray together. What that looks like yet, I have no clue. But I'm asking us to pray. And if you're serious about your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing the Holy Spirit's guidance is going to be something we need to be need to be delving into. We need to be questioning for it in our own life. So I'm asking you as a church, if you're online and you're watching today, then maybe today's the day that you end up coming back or coming into the church for the very first time. Come tomorrow at 6 o'clock and let's pray. And if you need prayer today, if you need to know the Lord Jesus Christ today, then I'm inviting you to come forward as we sing this next song, as we pray, as we sing together. Maybe the Lord has been prompting you. Maybe he has been stirring up something that's in there. Maybe it's a, it's a renewal. Maybe it's something that's afresh. I don't know what it is, but maybe God has been speaking to you. I'm encouraging you to come and seek prayer, repent, and be converted because we are going to be held accountable to that. And as Christ followers, we have no excuse. We have none. Let me pray. Father, I do pray for wisdom. I pray that your name would be honoured as we live in our world, that as we step out of this building today at some point, as we go back into the mission field that has been set for us, that we will have the confidence to speak boldly the truth, to stand up for truth and righteousness and justice. Father, we won't do just the right things, but we'll desire to do the right things. We won't be here because it's the right thing to do, but we'll, we come because, Father, it's what you want us to do and we love to do what you want us to do. And so I pray today for, the, for our church. I pray for these people that are in this building, that your anointing would fall upon each one, that there would be healing, there would be a sense of, of compassion, there would be a desire of love, there'd be a sense of your presence, there would be an infilling of your Holy Spirit, for those who are on, at, online, wherever they might be, Father, I pray that there would be a heart shift, a non-conformity to the patterns of this world, but a desire to have our minds renewed so that we'll know what your will is, your good, pleasing and perfect will is. Father, pray that if we, those that are online, our hosts would take up the opportunity of praying with them of spending time with them. For those internally here, Father, we pray your will be done. And we bless you today, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, who saves us. Amen.